morning, church family. I'm going to encourage you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the 23rd Psalm this morning. Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers that are here. I hope today is a, is a special day for you. I hope today you feel loved, and I hope today that you feel encouraged, not only by your church family, but by your family. I know that we have uh, mothers that uh, you come, and today is a, is, a, is a bittersweet day for some of you whose mothers are not sitting next to you. And maybe you're not able to be next to them today because of uh, you live in different communities, or maybe it's because uh, they, they are there with the Lord in heaven. And there are others of you that are here, and your mom is next to you, and you're able to put an arm around her, and you know how important mothers are. And in the infinite wisdom of God, He's given to us mothers who play such a crucial role in who we are. I have my mom that is here today, and so happy Mother's Day, Mom. And uh, I have Danielle's mother, my mother-in-law, Jane Robertson, and my father-in-law here. So uh, today is a, a special day. My wife, Danielle, is here. So the three most important uh, women in my life are here. No pressure to me as I preach on Mother's Day right here. So um, happy Mother's Day to, to all of my family. Happy Mother's Day to our church family here. The 23rd Psalm is a familiar psalm. It is a psalm that we turn to on Mother's Day, and it very well may be that there are some of you that uh, have never been in church in, a, in, in uh, you know, ever, or maybe it's, it's that you are here and uh, it's been a while since you've been in church. There's something about the 23rd Psalm because it's the summit of the mountain range of the Psalms. It is, it is, the, it is the peak of, of what we know to be the revelation of the 150 psalms, and it is a psalm that, that continues to speak. It, it rings with this resonance, this, this rich, because the words have just this uh, wonderful familiarity to us, whether we've grown up in the church or we've come into the church. This psalm, the, the John 3.16 of the Old Testament, is the psalm that continues to speak today. I, like many of you, maybe uh, learn the 23rd Psalm, not in the NIV or the English Standard, but there was uh, something about the King James Version, the 23rd Psalm, that has still just stuck with me. And I, I can't really uh, say the 23rd Psalm without quoting it from the King James Version. So hear from the Lord His Word. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This Mother's Day, as we think of the 23rd Psalm and we think of the way that God loves us personally and desires to guide us, there are five truths that I want you to hold on to. And the first truth from this word is that God knows his sheep, that we have a God who knows us personally. Now, it, it's familiar to us to say, the Lord is my shepherd, but I think we lose with the familiarity of this passage, we lose just how different that would have sounded to a person living thousands of years ago in that ancient Near Eastern world. We, we think of the Lord is my shepherd and we hear it as something that is comforting and we hear it as something that is close to us. But understand that a, a shepherd was not a profession that one would aspire to in that culture. That David, the writer of Psalm 23, he was a shepherd of the family. Why? Because he aspired to it because he was a person of great responsibility? No, he was the youngest. All of his older brothers said, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Well, make David do it. A shepherd had to be with the sheep in the heat of the day. A shepherd had to be with the sheep in the cold of the night. A shepherd would have to sleep with the sheep under the stars. A shepherd would have to provide for the sheep, guide for the sheep. It's an all-consuming uh, profession. And, and really in that day, uh, shepherds were looked down upon. And so here we have God saying, the Lord is our shepherd. It shouldn't surprise us that we would hear images in the Bible. The Lord is a king. I mean, he's, he's mighty. He's majestic. The Lord is a warrior. He is strong. He fights for us. But to hear the Lord is our shepherd, it reminds us of how God has stooped to us to love us intimately, to care for us in every way. 
Jesus would pick up on the imagery of Psalm 23 and John chapter 10, and we read, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for my sheep. Verse 27 says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. What a comfort to know that that you're not loved by God, your shepherd, as a follower of him, generally or abstractly. He, He loves you personally. He loves you intimately, that Jesus came to die for you individually, you personally. He doesn't group out his love to the to the masses, but rather he knows us personally. He knows us on an intimate basis. Months ago, we were at the house and ESPN was on the background and we saw Tim Tebow talking I'm sure about Alabama football, I guess is what Tim Tebow was talking about on ESPN. And one of the boys said, hey, Dad, is Tebow, is he still playing baseball? Many of you know that Tim Tebow is there with the SEC Network, and he was aspiring to to make it in the major leagues. And so he was with the Mets. And for the last couple spring trainings, he has been there with the Mets, gone through the minor league program. And so I didn't know the answer to that. I didn't know if Tim Tebow was going to play any longer. And so what did I do? I went on his Twitter profile. And as I was looking that up, I saw right there at the top of his profile, text me and it had a number there. I thought, that's curious, I guess. And so I copied the number, I texted it, and lo and behold, comes back sort of a form letter to me, and uh, thanks for reaching out, and and so I clicked whatever, and I went on with the rest of the night, didn't think anything about it. A couple days go by, and I get a text message from a number I don't recognize, and it says, hey friend, I'm praying for you. Here's a passage of scripture that's encouraged me. And I thought to myself, who, who is this? I don't know this number. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's just Tim Tebow texting me. You know, so uh, the next day it goes by and I'm with the, the, my boys and I get this text message. Hey, friend, uh, just thinking about you today, praying for you. Here's a passage of scripture that I want you to be encouraged by. And so uh, one of my boys was with me and said, who is this? And I was like, oh, no, you know, that's, that's just Timmy Tebow, you know, uh, uh, texting with me, son, you know, no big deal there. So um, just these kind of general things. The next week, it was sort of the week that I was like, oh, I'm not really sure we're going to go much further with this. Because he says, hey, friend, Demi and I have a surprise. And there was a picture of their dog. And I thought, oh, okay, this is a little too much right here. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily need to get Tim Tebow's text messages with him and his dog. I'm not that kind of personal relationship. So I go to unsubscribe and the next week, hey, friend, I get another text message. So I come home from the office, and I said, Danielle, I cannot get Tim Tebow to quit texting me every week right here. So I'm one of the few people that have had to, had to unsubscribe and to block Tim Tebow from texting me here. Now, you, you get where I'm going with this. I mean, great guy. I have tremendous respect for, and God has used him in wonderful ways. But we're just not on a, we're not on a first-name basis. Tim Tebow doesn't know who I am. I don't need to necessarily see his dogs. I'm not, I'm not the, 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 the type of person that, that really is looking to be in the Tim Tebow fan club right there. So why is that? Because I don't have an intimate relationship with him. He doesn't know me by name. Now, this is the power of this passage here to think. Of course, Tim Tebow doesn't know me by name. Of course, Nick Saban doesn't know me by name. Of course, the Governor Ivan, he doesn't know me by name. But I have someone who does know me by name, and that is the creator of the universe and the sustainer of all. He not only knows me by name, but he knows you by name. Now, you might be here, and there are very few of us in this room that your name is going to be known in the halls of the White House, but I'm here to tell you the glorious news that your names are known in the halls of heaven, and that is, my friend, much more important. That that we have a God who loves us, who has died for us as he has sent his son and desires to lead us, not generally, not abstractly, but personally. That is the love of your shepherd. God not only knows you, we see in the psalm, but God provides for you in the psalm. Notice again in verses 1 through 2, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is one of these passages that if you just scoop it out of its context here, you can make it a pretext to, to mean what it doesn't mean. Some, some people read this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God, 
I shall not want a new car. I shall not want a bigger paycheck. I shall not want a skinnier waistline. And we use this passage and we take it out of its context. Now, in the original Hebrew language, one of the ways to translate this passage, it really gets to the heart of what David the shepherd is saying is, as the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not lack. That that there is nothing that you need. That's a difference. There is nothing that you need that your loving shepherd will not provide for you. There's nothing that you need that your loving shepherd will not provide for you. What a comfort to know. I've never been a shepherd. I don't have an intimate relationship with shepherds. Philip Keller, not Tim Keller, but Philip Keller, for eight years was a shepherd and he wrote a book. The shepherd looks at the 23rd Psalm, and out of that book, he talks about that out of his experience of being a shepherd, to to make the sheep lie down wasn't something that was automatic. That a shepherd has to provide things for the sheep so that they would would lie down. uh, The shepherd has to, because they're timid animals, has to make sure there's nothing that they fear for the sheep to lie down. Because the sheep are in such close proximity, he has to walk through the sheep and sort of separate them so that they have space. There can't be friction in between the sheep, so the shepherd has to walk with them so they have room to lie down. The, the shepherd, because they're out there in the pasture land, there are flies around, there are insects around, so the, the, sheep, uh, the shepherd must provide this sort of cover for them to, to make sure that they're not having these parasites and these insects all around them so that they would lie down. The shepherd must feed them. Sheep don't want to lie down unless ultimately they're fed. And so here we have this image that the good shepherd provides for us. And he not only provides for us in the great by and by of heaven, but as a shepherd must provide for the the sheep physically, must provide for them relationally, must provide for them emotionally, must provide for their needs. So your shepherd provides not only in the great heaven of way and, and the great by and by that we're headed to, but he provides for you now what you need physically, what you need emotionally, what you need spiritually. He doesn't leave you to your own doing alone, but he comes alongside of you to give you what you need. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He not only knows us intimately, he not only provides for us, but he guides his sheep. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads the sheep to still waters. He leads them to green pastures. He leads them to places, the still waters in that imagery were, were, were beds, there were springs that would be fresh water so that they would not get sick. He would provide for them the still water. It needed to be still water because sometimes in that, in that arid land, the, the water would come down in these storms and they would uh, sweep away the sheep as they come because the current was so strong. So the, the shepherd must provide for them, not just any water, but water that is life-giving to them and not dangerous for them. So he leads them in paths of righteousness for his namesake. It's a comfort to know that no matter what path the shepherd leads you in life on, it is always a path that leads to his glory and your good. It is always a path of righteousness, that, that, that God as your shepherd, he'll never lead you down a path that is a, that is a dead end path. You know, in life, you can, you can make the wrong turns in life, right? You, you, can, you can stop when you need to go. You can turn right when you need to turn left. You can be disobedient to the will of God, but understand that you have a shepherd that never gets lost. That no matter what path that he travels down and that you follow him through, it is always a path for his glory and your good. He is never going to be a shepherd that takes you down the wrong road. And some people will. It's hard sometimes to to trust. Sometimes you get burned in life. Sometimes you wonder, is there anyone worth following? Sometimes you wonder, is there anyone who really can lead in a way that that is uncorrupt by the world? And we have to be reminded that we as Christians, we have a good shepherd. We have the great shepherd who always leads us in paths of justice and mercy and holiness and grace 
and love. He is a good shepherd who not only knows you, not only provides for you, not only guides you, but he walks with you. You're not always going to be in the green pastures if you follow the shepherd. You're not always going to be in a a path that that leads to the still water. There there are going to be times to, to get you to the green pastures and to lead you to the still waters. You have to go through the valley. Yea, though, if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Is that what it says? Yea, if I walk? No, it doesn't. Look again. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It isn't an if. That, that all of us here that follow the voice of the shepherd will at times walk through the valley. Jesus himself would say it this way. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus reminds us that a part of, of being led by him is to walk through the valley. Now for a shepherd thousands of years ago, you would go through the valley because it would lead the, the flock to where they needed to travel. It would lead them to the green pastures. It would lead them to the still waters. And, and the valley in those days, it would be cut out by, by the erosion of the land. And the, the waters would come through there. And over years and years and years, it would erode the steam bed that would be dry. There would be these nooks and crannies. So what would happen in those dry valleys? That there, there could be animals that would prey upon those that came through the valley. There could be bandits that would hide around the corner waiting to prey upon the passerbyers that walked through the valley. And this is the wonderful reminder that the shepherd is not docile. The the shepherd is not timid. The the shepherd is not barely getting through the valley with the sheep, but the shepherd's got a rod and the shepherd's got a staff. The rod's a club. So if the animals come to prey upon the sheep, you know what the shepherd does? Hits them over the head with the club. It is a rod of strength. The staff, well, you know what the staff is for? Where you walk through the valley, it's hard sometimes to keep your footing. The terrain is not always even, so the shepherd cannot fall, lest the sheep scatter. So the rocking stick, the, the staff keeps the shepherd upright. What, what a comfort to know that no matter what valley you will travel through, and you will travel through a valley, it's as much as the will of God for the shepherd to lead you to the green pastures and to lead you to the still waters as it is for him to lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. It's as much the will of God. You're just as much in his will when you're there relaxing on the, by the still waters as you are making your way through the valley. And he is there with you, protecting you every way. He never loses his footing. Years ago when I was a teenager, at a church group, went on a mission trip. We headed, it was around the 96 Olympics, so we were there outside of Atlanta. We ended the trip, trip going down the Ocoee. It's the first time I'd ever been whitewater rafting. I was a little bit nervous about it, to be honest with you. There was something about falling out of the boat that I didn't tell anybody this, but I, was, I, I really listened very carefully to the guide, like how to not fall out of this boat when we're going down it. And, and he said a lot of things that were very reassuring to me. He said, hey, uh, for me to be a guide here, I've got to go down this whole river all by myself. I mean, so you know, what he's saying is, is, hey, guys, you're in good hands. There's nothing for you to worry about here. If, if all of y'all fall out, I could do it myself. I've got you. That's what he's saying to me. So we get halfway down the river. We're having this great time. We come to sort of this uh, really rocky part. Uh, the, the rapids are really fast. We, we come up against a rock and it jostles us. And I look and, and my friend is there. My other friend is there. One, two, three, four. I count them all. We're missing somebody. Who are we missing? The God has fallen out of the boat. <laughs> like, whoa, that's not supposed to happen. And we're right in the middle of the rapids right there. And so we're like, uh, I don't, paddle, 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 you know. And so if you know as you're going down the Ocoee, I mean, the rapids give way to still waters. I mean, the whole thing's not rapid. So he goes ahead of us and he's there treading water with his life jacket on and we kind of paddle up against him and pull him on the boat and there's just something about it, none of it. It's like, this wasn't supposed to happen right here, you know. And I'm going to change the image here from the valley to the water 
But the truth is still the same. There, there are times where you are traveling through stormy waters. And there are times where the, the waves are crashing down upon you. And it feels as if you, you feel that the, the sink of life is, ship, is, is sinking and, and you, don't, the, you don't know where to turn. But I need, need to, to know that, that God, your shepherd, he's always in the boat with you. He never falls out. He never loses his footing. He is always there with you. So if you go through the valley of betrayal, he's there with you. If you go through the valley of financial bankruptcy, he is there with you. If you go through the valley of a diagnosis of cancer, he is there beside you. If you go through the valley of any type of difficulty, maybe it's a valley of despondency, maybe it's a valley of depression, know that you never travel the valley alone. He is always there with you always there to comfort you and to protect you, even as he leads you through the valley. Do you know that the valley is never the final destination? Like, I hope you know that. He leads us through the valley. Where does he lead us to? It's the final point. He ensures the safe arrival of his sheep. The images change from the shepherd in the pasture land to a host with his friends and family around the table. Again, verses five through seven, he prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, anoints my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a comfort that all the paths that you travel as you listen to the voice of the shepherd, it leads to a destination. There's nothing worse than thinking that life is just aimless, purposeless, that all the paths are just haphazard and there's no purpose to it. It's just this never-ending journey with no end in sight. That, that's not the image that our shepherd gives us, that there is a place prepared for all of us who listen to his voice, who heed his voice, who follow him as Savior. He has a place prepared for us and it is a home. It is a home prepared for us with the intimacy of a meal with all of his followers. What, what an image to, to go from the, the, the sort of dumb sheep listening to a shepherd to finally get to the place where we the sheep become his friends gathered around the table in intimacy and communion with him. And the table that he brings us to what we look forward to isn't this endless buffet where we don't have to worry about carbs and calories. That's not the point of it. It's, it's, it's not mansions in heaven and streets of gold. You know, you know what we look forward to is him. And the intimacy with our Savior, the intimacy with our shepherd, and with all of our friends and our family members who have heeded the voice of the shepherd, who know him as Savior and Lord as they gather around the very one who has called us home. If you ever sign up for a race, there's going to be a part. It doesn't matter how long the race is. There's going to be a part where there's going to be a mental moment where you say, the hill is too hard to climb. There's likely going to be a moment that you say, why am I doing this? What is it worth? I can just stop here and nobody's going to notice. But, but what it is, is there's something about the finish line. The shorter the race, the longer the race, there's something about knowing I've got friends and I've got family members that are waiting on me at the finish line. Uh, there's something about the celebration at the finish line that drives us forward. When we want to stop walking, we want to stop running, we keep on moving because we know there's a destination in the front of us that propels us forward. And what a, what a powerful reminder that, that there is a place prepared for you, the place of heaven and intimacy with him where we come to that no matter how difficult the road is that you're traveling right now, it's not aimless nor is it purposeless, but he is guiding you to that destination and every step that you take no matter how difficult or how joy-filled it is, is a purposeful step as you heed and listen to the voice of your shepherd. Years ago, I heard the story, of, it was a Southern Baptist kind of story. It's the story of a, a six-year-old who, for the first time in her life, is doing Bible drills. 
you're new to Southern Baptist Life, Bible Drills is a program that we've had for years where people learn the books of the Bible and they learn different passages of Scripture. There's sort of a competition to it and you step out and you recite it and you're hiding God's Word in your heart. First year she'd ever done it. She's six years old. They call out Psalm 23, verse 1. She's got a lot of personality. She's got a lot of gusto. She steps out without any hesitation and says, The Lord is my shepherd. That's all I want. The Lord is my shepherd. That's all I want. Well, she got the verse wrong. But she was exactly right. The Lord is my shepherd. That's all I want. When you know the intimacy of the call of the good shepherd, when you know him personally as your savior, when you can look back and see how he has guided you, how he's provided for you, when you can look around you and see how he is with you, and when you can look ahead and see how he has prepared a destination for you, you too, just like that six-year-old, can step out and say, the Lord is my shepherd He's all I want. Let us pray. Good morning, church family. I'm going to encourage you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the 23rd Psalm this morning. Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers that are here. I hope today is a, is a special day for you. I hope today you feel loved, and I hope today that you feel encouraged, not only by your church family, but by your family. I know that we have uh, mothers that uh, you come, and today is a, is, a, is a bittersweet day for some of you whose mothers are not sitting next to you. And maybe you're not able to be next to them today because of uh, you live in different communities or maybe it's because uh, they, they are there with the Lord in heaven. And there are others of you that are here and your mom is next to you and you're able to put an arm around her and you know how important mothers are. And in the infinite wisdom of God, he's given to us mothers who play such a crucial role in who we are. I have my mom that is here today, and so happy Mother's Day, Mom. And uh, I have Danielle's mother, my mother-in-law, Jane Robertson, and my father-in-law here. So uh, today is a, a special day. My wife, Danielle, is here. So the three most important uh, women in my life are here. No pressure to me as I preach on Mother's Day right here. So um, happy Mother's Day to, to all of my family. Happy Mother's Day to our church family here. The 23rd Psalm is a familiar psalm. It is a psalm that we turn to on Mother's Day, and it very well may be that there are some of you that uh, have never been in church in, a, in, in uh, you know, ever, or maybe it's, it's that you are here and uh, it's been a while since you've been in church. There's something about the 23rd Psalm because it's the summit of the mountain range of the Psalms. It is, it is, the, it is the peak of, of what we know to be the revelation of the 150 psalms. And it is a psalm that, that continues to speak. It, it rings with this resonance, this, this rich, because the words have just this uh, wonderful familiarity to us. Whether we've grown up in the church or we've come into the church, this psalm, the, the John 3.16 of the Old Testament, is the psalm that continues to speak today. I, like many of you, maybe uh, learn the 23rd Psalm, not in the NIV or the English Standard, but there was uh, something about the King James Version, the 23rd Psalm, that has still just stuck with me. And I, I can't really uh, say the 23rd Psalm without quoting it from the King James Version. So hear from the Lord his word. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This Mother's Day, as we think of the 23rd Psalm and we think of the way that God loves us personally and desires to guide us, there are five truths that I want you to hold on to. And the first truth from this word is that God knows his sheep, that we have a God who knows us personally. 
Now, it's familiar to us to say, the Lord is my shepherd, but I think we lose with the familiarity of this passage, we lose just how different that would have sounded to a person living thousands of years ago in that ancient Near Eastern world. We, we think of the Lord is my shepherd and we hear it as something that is comforting and we hear it as something that is close to us. But understand that a, a shepherd was not a profession that one would aspire to in that culture. That David, the writer of Psalm 23, he was a shepherd of the family. Why? Because he aspired to it? Because he was a person of great responsibility? No, he was the youngest. All of his older brothers said, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Well, make David do it. A shepherd had to be with the sheep in the heat of the day. A shepherd had to be with the sheep in the cold of the night. A shepherd would have to sleep with the sheep under the stars. A shepherd would have to provide for the sheep, guide for the sheep. It's an all-consuming profession. And and really in that day, uh, shepherds were looked down upon. And so here we have God saying, the Lord is our shepherd. It shouldn't surprise us that we would hear images in the Bible. The Lord is a king. I mean, he's, he's mighty. He's majestic. The Lord is a warrior. He is strong. He fights for us. But to hear the Lord is our shepherd, it reminds us of how God has stooped to us to love us intimately, to care for us in every way. Jesus would pick up on the imagery of Psalm 23 and John chapter 10, and we read, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for my sheep. Verse 27 says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. What a comfort to know that that you're not loved by God, your shepherd, as a follower of him, generally or abstractly. He, He loves you personally. He loves you intimately, that Jesus came to die for you individually, you personally. He doesn't group out his love to the to the masses, but rather he knows us personally. He knows us on an intimate basis. Months ago, we were at the house, and ESPN was on the background, and we saw Tim Tebow talking, I'm sure about Alabama football, I guess is what Tim Tebow was talking about on ESPN, and one of the boys said, hey, Dad, is Tebow, is he still playing baseball? Many of you know that Tim Tebow's there with the SEC Network, and he was aspiring to to make it in the major leagues, and so he was with the Mets, and for the last couple spring trainings, he has been there with the Mets, gone through the minor league program, and so I didn't know the answer to that. I didn't know if Tim Tebow was going to play any longer, and so what did I do? I went on his Twitter profile, and as I was looking that up, I saw right there at the top of his profile, text me, and it had a number there. I thought, that's curious, I guess. And so I copied the number, I texted it, and lo and behold, comes back sort of a form letter to me, and uh, thanks for reaching out, and and so I clicked whatever, and I went on with the rest of the night, didn't think anything about it. A couple days go by, and I get a text message from a number I don't recognize, and it says, hey friend, I'm praying for you. Here's a passage of scripture that's encouraged me. And I thought to myself, who, who is this? I don't know this number. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's just Tim Tebow texting me. You know, so uh, the next day it goes by and I'm with the, the, my boys and I get this text message. Hey, friend, uh, just thinking about you today, praying for you. Here's a passage of scripture that I want you to be encouraged by. And so one of my boys was with me and said, who is this? And I was like, oh, no, you know, that's, that's just Timmy Tebow, you know, uh, uh, texting with me, son, you know, no big deal there. So um, just these kind of general things. The next week, it was sort of the week that I was like, oh, I'm not really sure we're going to go much further with this. Because he says, hey, friend, Demi and I have a surprise. And there was a picture of their dog. And I thought, oh, okay, this is a little too much right here. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily need to get Tim Tebow's text messages with him and his dog. I'm not that kind of personal relationship. So I go to unsubscribe and the next week, hey, friend, I get another text message. So I come home from the office, and I said, Danielle, I cannot get Tim Tebow to quit texting me every week right here. So I'm one of the few people that have had to, had to unsubscribe and to block Tim Tebow from texting me here. Now, you, you get where I'm going with this, 
I mean, great guy. I have tremendous respect for, and God has used him in wonderful ways. But we're just not on a, we're not on a first name basis. Tim Tebow doesn't know who I am. So I don't need to necessarily see his dogs. I'm not, I'm not the, 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 the type of person that, that really is looking to be in the Tim Tebow fan club right there. So why is that? Because I don't have an intimate relationship with him. He doesn't know me by name. Now, this is the power of this passage here to think. Of course, Tim Tebow doesn't know me by name. Of course, Nick Saban doesn't know me by name. Of course, the Governor Ivan, he doesn't know me by name. But I have someone who does know me by name, and that is the creator of the universe and the sustainer of all. He not only knows me by name, but he knows you by name. Now, you might be here, and there are very few of us in this room that your name is going to be known in the halls of the White House, but I'm here to tell you the glorious news that your names are known in the halls of heaven, and that is, my friend, much more important. That that we have a God who loves us, who has died for us as he has sent his son and desires to lead us, not generally, not abstractly, but personally. That is the love of your shepherd. God not only knows you, we see in the psalm, but God provides for you in the psalm. Notice again in verses one through two, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is one of these passages that if you just scoop it out of its context here, you can make it a pretext to, to mean what it doesn't mean. Some, some people read this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God, I shall not want a new car. I shall not want a bigger paycheck. I shall not want a skinnier waistline. And we use this passage and we take it out of its context. Now in the original Hebrew language, one of the ways to translate this passage, it really gets to the heart of what David the shepherd is saying is, as the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not lack. That, that there is nothing that you need. That's a difference. There is nothing that you need that your loving shepherd will not provide for you. There's nothing that you need that your loving shepherd will not provide for you. What a comfort to know. I've never been a shepherd. I don't have an intimate relationship with shepherds. Philip Keller, not Tim Keller, but Philip Keller, for eight years was a shepherd and he wrote a book. The shepherd looks at the 23rd Psalm, and out of that book, he talks about that out of his experience of being a shepherd, to to make the sheep lie down wasn't something that was automatic. That a shepherd has to provide things for the sheep so that they would would lie down. uh, The shepherd has to, because they're timid animals, has to make sure there's nothing that they fear for the sheep to lie down. Because the sheep are in such close proximity, he has to walk through the sheep and sort of separate them so that they have space. There can't be friction in between the sheep, so the shepherd has to walk with them so they have room to lie down. The, the shepherd, because they're out there in the pasture land, there are flies around, there are insects around, so the, the, sheep, uh, the shepherd must provide this sort of cover for them to, to make sure that they're not having these parasites and these insects all around them so that they would lie down. The shepherd must feed them. Sheep don't want to lie down unless ultimately they're fed. And so here we have this image that the good shepherd provides for us. And he not only provides for us in the great by and by of heaven, but as a shepherd must provide for the the sheep physically, must provide for them relationally, must provide for them emotionally, must provide for their needs. So your shepherd provides not only in the great heaven of way and, and the great by and by that we're headed to, but he provides for you now what you need physically, what you need emotionally, what you need spiritually. He doesn't leave you to your own doing alone, but he comes alongside of you to give you what you need. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He not only knows us intimately, he not only provides for us, but he guides his sheep. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads the sheep to still waters. He leads them to green pastures. 
He leads them to places. The still waters in that imagery were, were, were beds. There were springs that would be fresh water so that they would not get sick. He would provide for them the still water. It needed to be still water because sometimes in that, in that arid land, the, the water would come down in these storms and they would uh, sweep away the sheep as they come because the current was so strong. So the, the shepherd must provide for them, not just any water, but water that is life-giving to them and not dangerous for them. So he leads them in paths of righteousness for his namesake. It's a comfort to know that no matter what path the shepherd leads you in life on, it is always a path that leads to his glory and your good. It is always a path of righteousness, that, that, that God as your shepherd, he'll never lead you down a path that is a, that is a dead end path. You know, in life, you can, you can make the wrong turns in life, right? You, you, can, you can stop when you need to go. You can turn right when you need to turn left. You can be disobedient to the will of God, but understand that you have a shepherd that never gets lost. That no matter what path that he travels down and that you follow him through, it is always a path for his glory and your good. He is never going to be a shepherd that takes you down the wrong road. And some people will. It's hard sometimes to, to trust. It's sometimes you get burned in life. Sometimes you wonder, is there anyone worth following? Sometimes you wonder, is there anyone who really can lead in a way that is, that is uncorrupt by the world? And we have to be reminded that we as Christians, we have a good shepherd. We have the great shepherd who always leads us in paths of justice and mercy and holiness and grace and love. He is a good shepherd who not only knows you, not only provides for you, not only guides you, but he walks with you. You're not always going to be in the green pastures if you follow the shepherd. You're not always going to be in a, a path that, that leads to the still water. There, there are going to be times to, to get you to the green pastures and to lead you to the still waters. You have to go through the valley. Yea, though, if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Is that what it says? Yea, if I walk? No, it doesn't. Look again. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It isn't an if. That, that all of us here that follow the voice of the shepherd will at times walk through the valley. Jesus himself would say it this way. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus reminds us that a part of, of being led by him is to walk through the valley. Now, for a shepherd, thousands of years ago, you would go through the valley because it would lead the, the flock to where they needed to travel. It would lead them to the green pastures. It would lead them to the still waters. And, and the valley in those days, it would be cut out by, by the erosion of the land. And the, the waters would come through there. And over years and years and years, it would erode the steam bed that would be dry. There would be these nooks and crannies. So what would happen in those dry valleys? That there, there could be animals that would prey upon those that came through the valley. There could be bandits that would hide around the corner waiting to prey upon the passerbyers that walked through the valley. And this is the wonderful reminder that the shepherd is not docile. The, the shepherd is not timid. The, the shepherd is not barely getting through the valley with the sheep. But the shepherd's got a rod and the shepherd's got a staff. The rod's a club. So if the animals come to prey upon the sheep, you know what the shepherd does? Hits them over the head with the club. It is a rod of strength. The staff, well, you know what the staff is for? Where you walk through the valley, it's hard sometimes to keep your footing. The terrain is not always even, so the shepherd cannot fall, lest the sheep scatter. So the rocking stick, the, the staff keeps the shepherd upright. What, what a comfort to know that no matter what valley you will travel through, and you will travel through a valley, it's as much as the will of God for the shepherd to lead you to the green pastures and to lead you to the still waters as it is for him to lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. It's as much the will of God. 
You're just as much in his will when you're there relaxing on the, by the still waters as you are making your way through the valley. And he is there with you, protecting you every way. He never loses his footing. Years ago when I was a teenager, at a church group, went on a mission trip. We headed, it was around the 96 Olympics, so we were there outside of Atlanta. We ended the trip, trip going down the Ocoee. It's the first time I'd ever been whitewater rafting. I was a little bit nervous about it, to be honest with you. There was something about falling out of the boat that I didn't tell anybody this, but I, was, I, I really listened very carefully to the guide, like how to not fall out of this boat when we're going down it. And, and he said a lot of things that were very reassuring to me. He said, hey, uh, for me to be a guide here, I've got to go down this whole river all by myself. I mean, so you know, what he's saying is, is, hey, guys, you're in good hands. There's nothing for you to worry about here. If, if all of y'all fall out, I could do it myself. I've got you. That's what he's saying to me. So we get halfway down the river. We're having this great time. We come to sort of this uh, really rocky part. Uh, the, the rapids are really fast. We, we come up against a rock and it jostles us. And I look and, and my friend is there. My other friend is there. One, two, three, four. I count them all. We're missing somebody. Who are we missing? The God has fallen out of the boat. <laughs> like, whoa, that's not supposed to happen. And we're right in the middle of the rapids right there. And so we're like, uh, I don't, paddle, 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 you know. And so if you know as you're going down the Ocoee, I mean, the rapids give way to still waters. I mean, the whole thing's not rapid. So he goes ahead of us and he's there treading water with his life jacket on and we kind of paddle up against him and pull him on the boat and there's just something about it, none of it. It's like, this wasn't supposed to happen right here, you know. And I'm going to change the image here from the valley to the water, but the truth is still the same. There, there are times where you are traveling through stormy waters. And there are times where the, the waves are crashing down upon you. And it feels as if you, you feel that the, the sink of life is, ship, uh, is, is sinking and, and you, don't, the, you don't know where to turn. But I need, need to, to know that, that God, your shepherd, he's always in the boat with you. He never falls out. He never loses his footing. He is always there with you. So if you go through the valley of betrayal, he's there with you. If you go through the valley of financial bankruptcy, he is there with you. If you go through the valley of a diagnosis of cancer, he is there beside you. If you go through the valley of any type of difficulty, maybe it's a valley of despondency, maybe it's a valley of depression, know that you never travel the valley alone. He is always there with you always there to comfort you and to protect you, even as he leads you through the valley. Do you know that the valley is never the final destination? Like, I hope you know that. He leads us through the valley. Where does he lead us to? It's the final point. He ensures the safe arrival of his sheep. The images change from the shepherd in the pasture land to a host with his friends and family around the table. Again, verses five through seven, he prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, anoints my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a comfort that all the paths that you travel as you listen to the voice of the shepherd, it leads to a destination. There's nothing worse than thinking that life is just aimless, purposeless, that all the paths are just haphazard and there's no purpose to it. It's just this never-ending journey with no end in sight. That, that's not the image that our shepherd gives us, that there is a place prepared for all of us who listen to his voice, who heed his voice, who follow him as Savior. He has a place prepared for us and it is a home. It is a home prepared for us with the intimacy of a meal with all of his followers. What, what an image to, to go from the, the, the sort of dumb sheep listening to a shepherd to finally get to the place where we the sheep become his friends gathered around the table in intimacy and communion with him. And the table that he brings us to what we look forward to isn't this endless buffet where we don't have to worry about carbs and calories. That's not the point of it. 
It's, it's, it's not mansions in heaven and streets of gold. You know, you know what we look forward to is him. And the intimacy with our Savior, the intimacy with our shepherd, and with all of our friends and our family members who have heeded the voice of the shepherd, who know him as Savior and Lord as they gather around the very one who has called us home. If you ever sign up for a race, there's going to be a part. It doesn't matter how long the race is. There's going to be a part where there's going to be a mental moment where you say, the hill is too hard to climb. There's likely going to be a moment that you say, why am I doing this? What is it worth? I can just stop here and nobody's going to notice. But, but what it is, is there's something about the finish line. The shorter the race, the longer the race, there's something about knowing I've got friends and I've got family members that are waiting on me at the finish line. Uh, there's something about the celebration at the finish line that drives us forward. When we want to stop walking, when we want to stop running, we keep on moving because we know there's a destination in the front of us that propels us forward. And what a, what a powerful reminder that, that there is a place prepared for you, the place of heaven and intimacy with him where we come to that no matter how difficult the road is that you're traveling right now, it's not aimless nor is it purposeless, but he is guiding you to that destination and every step that you take no matter how difficult or how joy-filled it is, is a purposeful step as you heed and listen to the voice of your shepherd. Years ago, I heard the story, uh, it was a Southern Baptist kind of story. It's the story of a, a six-year-old who, for the first time in her life, is doing Bible drills. If you're new to Southern Baptist Life, Bible Drills is a program that we've had for years where people learn the books of the Bible and they learn different passages of Scripture. There's sort of a competition to it and you step out and you recite it and you're hiding God's Word in your heart. First year she'd ever done it. She's six years old. They call out Psalm 23, verse 1. She's got a lot of personality. She's got a lot of gusto. She steps out without any hesitation and says, The Lord is my shepherd. That's all I want. The Lord is my shepherd, that's all I want. Well, she got the verse wrong, but she was exactly right. The Lord is my shepherd, that's all I want. When you know the intimacy of the call of the good shepherd, when you know him personally as your savior, when you can look back and see how he has guided you, how he's provided for you, when you can look around you and see how he is with you, and when you can look ahead and see how he has prepared a destination for you, you too, just like that six-year-old, can step out and say, the Lord is my shepherd. He's all I want. Let us pray.